So we're starting in a new series today called Here's a Better Way. And this is a series on the book of Hebrews, in case you didn't know that uh, the writer of Hebrews told us about a better way, and the better way that he told us was Jesus, <laughs> right? That's what this, this, what this uh, uh, series of messages about is about Jesus and connecting with Jesus and developing our relationship with Jesus through prayer. And uh, I just was thinking this week about all of the better things that we have in our world. You know, like I was telling my grandkids uh, about when I grew up, we didn't have cell phones. And, you know, they didn't even, they couldn't relate to that. They, they were trying to figure out, what? What? There was no internet, you know? Like when I phoned grandma on the phone, I, I had to pay. Like sometimes it was like $100 for one phone call. They were like, what? Yeah, that's how it used to be. And so th in these days, we have better things. We have better technology. We have better apps. We have better things like social media. We can connect with each other through social media. It would sure be nice if I could hear a little bit of myself in the monitor. I don't know whoever's controlling that. I can't hear anything. And it would be nice to hear a little bit. And uh, that's good. Right on. That's perfect. And then uh, uh, like things like transportation. Uh, you remember, like, cars, you roll up the window with a crank, and then it would, you drive down the road, and it would whistle, you know, the wind, the, it was so bad. Now you get in your car, and it's just like, you're sitting in this beautiful capsule, it's all quiet, and you've got your stereo, and the cruise control even controls how fast you're going, you know, like, so you don't bump into the person in front, person in front of you, all, all kinds of stuff. You know, one of the things I would love right now is I'd love to spend some time with my mom. And so I was just thinking, you know, long distance. I can phone my mom whenever I want. It doesn't, she says, oh, this is so expensive. You know, that's what my mom says. Because long distance, we used to pay for long. Remember that in the olden days? You used to pay for long distance. She's, she still thinks, oh, this is so expensive. I'm like, mom, it's free. You know, I got a cell phone. It's all free. Uh, um, and then Zoom, you know, we we. we Zoom each other, and I Zoom with my brothers and sisters and, and uh, things like that. I'm just grabbing this water, Dwayne. There you go. Thank you. And uh, um, we see each other on the video chat and, and that sort of thing. And then, and then uh, um, we can uh, Amazon packages. You know, you... F you you send Amazon a, uh, uh, a request, and they mail the thing right to my mom's house. I don't even have to go get it and wrap it up and all that. And send, I, I can put like a little message, I love you, mom, and all that. I sent my mom a, a, a solar-powered battery. You know, you stick it in the sun, and it charges up, and then she can run her devices off of this uh, battery pack. Like, my mom phoned me and said, what is this? And I told her, she said, is that ever cool? You know, I'd have to plug in and spend money on electricity. That's what she thought, right? So I was just thinking, how amazing all the things we have. But you know the one thing that I would love more than anything right now? Is to go and give my mom a hug. Just tell her I love her and just feel her in my arms. And just spend some time with her. You know, technology can't do that. You know, technology can give you some, some of it. 
But the, what we really long for, what we really want inside is to be in relationship, to be together, to, to enjoy each other's presence. You know, in our world, we uh, have this struggle with disease, we have this disease of sin that's in our world. Sin separates us. Sin separates us from each other, breaks relationships and so on. It brings sickness like we're battling with right now and separating us. And these are in some practical areas. And it also separates us from God. So spiritually, we become separate. And it separates us from our God-given purpose. You know, God created you and I for relationship. You know, your purpose is to be in relationship is to enjoy God's presence. It's to enjoy one another's presence. And sin wants to break you. Sin wants to break your relationships. Sin wants to destroy your peace. And so we're talking about a better way. And today we're talking about a better way to pray. And thanks be to God, he's created us a way for us to be set free from the curse of sin. The wages of sin, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, God makes the gift of new life free for a few reasons. One of them is we can't afford it. <laughs> if you could afford it, you couldn't buy it anyway. There's no way. There's no hope in hell that you would ever, you would ever get. And that's one of the reasons why God gives it to you free. Because it would cost you everything and you still wouldn't have enough. Another reason is we don't deserve it. We don't deserve this gift. And lastly, he loves us despite all those things. He loves us. He loves you. He loves you despite all your failures, all your, all your pains, all the brokenness in your life. And he wants to extend that gift. That's what God wants to do. For God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave his one and only son. You know, Jesus didn't die for you because he wanted to give you a gift. He died for you because he wants to give you an opportunity to come into relationship with him. That's why he died. He wanted relationship with you. He wanted friendship with you. He wanted to make it possible for you to be together. And he could wrap his arms around you. You know, when talking about friendship, Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom. That's what he said. Not everyone who calls me Lord. People were calling him Lord, you know, Lord, Lord. And uh, he said, you know what? Not everybody that calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom. You know, essentially he was saying, just because you say I'm great, just because you know who I am, it doesn't mean you care about me or you have relationship with me. Jesus wants you to come into not just the knowledge of who he is, but into a relationship that breaks that barrier of brokenness, that breaks that barrier of separation and invites you into health and healing of your relationship with God. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Isn't that surprising that we desire to be in relationship as we're made in, or it isn't surprising, sorry, that we desire to be in relationship as we're made in God's image. We're like him. We're made in God's image. We're, we reflect God. And we long for relationship. And Jesus expressed this in his vision to John 
when he said what he desires. And it's found in the book of Revelation 3, verse 20. He said, this is Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing at the door and knocking. What door is he standing at? Well, he's standing at the door of your heart. That's where Jesus is standing. He's standing at the door of my heart and your heart. And what is he doing? He's knocking on the door. He's not pounding on the door. He's not kicking in the door. He's knocking on the door. You know? <laughs> and he's waiting for you to answer. Why? If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You know, sharing meals in Bible days and in our day is one of the most intimate things you can do. You ever see someone on a date and they ask for the corner table in the restaurant and the candles are flickering and they're sitting and sharing a meal together because it creates this opportunity for intimacy and this is what Jesus is longing for with you and I. He wants to have encounters with us. He wants to share his word with us. He wants to break his word and share it with you, feed you, and, and, uh, and more than just to feed you. But he wants to encounter you and you to encounter him. Today I want to talk about four things that keep us from that encounter. Four things that keep me from praying and feeling disconnected from Jesus. Anybody ever struggle with praying? Huh? You ever drop the ball in your prayer life and you start feeling disconnected? Well, that's what I want to talk about. Four things that do that with us. And they, these might resonate with you. Number one, our culture. Number one is our culture. You know, one of the reasons we don't pray is because our culture says uh, to us, we're too polite and quiet to ask for help. We're Canadians. Canadians don't ask for help. Canadians are polite, and you just do things on your own. You figure out a, how to do it on your own. We say things like, you know, I, I hate to bother you, but could you please help me, or could you please pass that to me, or whatever. Give me a hand with this. You know, I was in Costco a couple of weeks ago, and wearing my mask, everybody there in their disguises, and walking around. No one's looking at each other. And I was with my son, Stefan, and somebody talked to me, said, excuse me, can I ask you to help me? <laughs> I, I thought, whoa, it just freaked me out. Freaked me out because people do not ask for help, right? We don't ask for help. People don't ask for help. But someone asked me to help load some heavy things onto his cart. He was buying, there were six big shelves. I thought one was good and two, but the sixth one, I was like, holy smokes, that was a lot of lifting. But it was, so, it was so shocking that someone spoke to me. You know, cultural baggage can carry over into our prayer lives. We think we're being a bother to God. Somehow we think I'm being spiritual by not bothering God, by figuring it out on myself, on my own, doing it myself. Somehow it's going gonna, it's gonna to make God happy that I did this for him. But you know what God wants? He wants you to speak to him. He longs for you to ask him. In fact, he's practically begging you to talk to him about what is going on and what you need help with in your life. And God is looking for people. He's 
looking for intercessors, people that, that will stand up and ask God. And you know what? The Bible even says that God, when he looks sometimes, he can't even find anyone that will even ask him. That's what the Bible says. You think, well, I don't think that's a culture. Well, it is a culture. In fact, in the Bible, in Isaiah, it actually talks about a time. It says uh, about, uh, this is what God says. He saw that there was no one asked to ask, and he wondered that there was no one to intercede. What? Why? Why is there no one? I don't see anyone asking. There's no one interceding. Then it says he brought his own arm to bring him salvation, and he upheld his own righteousness. That's what the Bible says. He just did it himself because no one would ask. You know what he wants from you? He wants you to go against the culture. He wants you to go against that culture that says, you know what, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to find a way to get through this on my own. God wants you to ask him. Prayer really changes things. God is really looking for people who will intercede, who will go get on their knees and ask him to move, ask him to change his heart on an issue and say, God, will you please do something in our day and in our time? I was so encouraged in our prayer time earlier before the service. You know, we were praying that God would begin to move in our city. We're not seeing it maybe in a big way right now, seeing small moves of God here and there, and people are experiencing God's goodness. But we're believing for a greater move of God to move in our community. I'm, I'm speaking over you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you might not feel whole, filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm believing you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start to speak in other tongues. You're going to start to be energized and encouraged in your life to do great things for God. Where you were afraid, where you were discouraged, etc., We've got 10 minutes, and I got through the first, first one. Here we go. Number two, our worldview of naturalism. You know, Dr. Carl Sagan, he was a famous astronomer. If you don't know who that is, don't worry about it, because I didn't really know who it was either. But Dr. Sagan said this, the cosmos is all that there is or ever was or ever will be. That's what he said, the cosmos, what we see in the universe, that's all there is, that's all there was, and that's all there ever will be. And this worldview of naturalism holds to the reality that is defined by matter, energy, space, and time. And it says that the sciences are the only reliable way to know reality. And we know that's not true. Like, just listen to our government that says, listen to the science. And then every week they change their approach to what the science is because science does not answer everything. But this is what this guy said. And this is the view of naturalism. And in the view of naturalism, there's no room for the supernatural. And you might hold to a view of natural because it's in our culture, it's in our, in our generation, that the way things happen, the way things move forward is they happen naturally. That's a natural worldview. And so the emphasis of ministry shifts from the supernatural to the natural. And we do things in the natural. One of the things we do in the natural is social justice. We meet tangible, natural needs, and we hope that people have an encounter with God. Now, it's not bad to 
to give people justice socially. But when we've given up on the supernatural encounter with God, that's where we drop the ball and we, we lose hope and we stop praying. You know, one problem that we have shifting solely to a social justice ministry is it only addresses symptoms rather than root issues. And if you've come to know Jesus, you know that Jesus didn't just deal with the outside of you, what you looked like, your behavior and all that. You had an encounter and he changed your heart. Something supernatural started to happen to you. Your desires began to change. Your personality started to shift. Things started to happen in you. You started to desire God and pursue God. And that shouldn't surprise us because we have a supernatural God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we need divine weapons to pull down strongholds in our lives, things that hold us back from God. And one of those is prayer that we need. You know how things are going to shift? It's not just in the natural. We need the supernatural power of God to begin to work in us. Paul warned us about being taken captive by deceitful and devilish philosophies uh, that are designed to stop us. In Colossians 2.8, he said, See to it that no one takes you captive by, by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. And not according to Christ. So he said, be careful of this view of naturalism that will cause you to think that everything just happens in the natural. You know, those who drink at the fountain of naturalism stop hearing the voice of God. They have little idea of the real power of God and their desperate need for his spiritual armor and spiritual weapons to be activated in their lives as they battle the devil in their lives or battle sin in their lives. The problems that we face are often of a spiritual nature and we need spiritual weapons to fight them and one of those is prayer. Another, another uh, uh, thing that keeps me from praying is that we just simply give up. Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking in Matthew 7. Ask, he said, seek, he said, knock, he said. Why did he say that? Because he knows the answer is in store for you. It's just around the corner sometimes, and we've given up. We aren't to pray for something one time. We're to pray through, pray through until the situation we're in changes. You know, my sister-in-law, Carla's sister, had COVID and still struggling with some of the symptoms of COVID. She was very sick, very, very, very sick. And Brenda was uh, preaching in our church uh, about a year and a half ago. Brenda and Jerry, and Jerry sent me a letter and I sent him an email back. And I, you know what I said? I prayed one time, and that's all I'm going to do. No, that's not what I said. I said, Jerry, you can count on me. I am standing with you. I'm your brother in the Lord, and I am not going to give up until Brenda is well. I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you, and I'm going to pray every day for you and Brenda until she sees the miracle 
that she needs to get through this. That's what I said to him. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. We are determined to see the miracle. And we pray and not give up. You know, Moses was praying. And Joshua was winning the battle. But when Moses would get tired and his arms would begin to come down, in his intercession, Joshua and the army would begin to lose ground and start to lose ground to the enemy. And they would hold his arms up and he would begin to pray and they would start to win the battle. I just want to encourage you. We need people who are going to win the battle. People are going to have determination in their prayer. The last one, number four, uh, another reason that we don't pray is we're afraid of commitment. We're afraid of the commitment to say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if I can do it, you know, if I say I'm going to do it, I might not be able to follow through or, or whatever. You know, we live in a time when we're not ashamed to consume. We just want the benefits. We'll just take the benefits. We'll take from people. We'll use people. We'll use things. And we'll, we'll just, we'll just kind of have that attitude without commitment. You know, I was thinking about this because uh, we're doing some hiring at the church. We're in a hiring process. We're interviewing people. And some of the people doing the interviews were asking. I remember one of the people asked the candidate, would you be willing to take up the toilet brush and scrub the toilet? And we all laughed. <laughs> but you know what? You know, when I started ministry, I worked as a night auditor at a motel. And I didn't get paid a nickel from the church. Because, you know why? Because I had the call of God in my life, and I would do anything for him. I was committed to him. I would do anything for him. There was nothing that I would not do, nothing that I would be too ashamed to do, nothing that was too low for me. In fact, when Carla and I started at Gateway here, part of my job, guess what? was cleaning the toilets. That was part of my job. And you know what? I didn't complain to nobody. I was committed to the call that God had in my life, and there was nothing that was too low for me. There was nothing that I wouldn't do for God. Nothing. There was nothing. God is looking for men and women and young people and kids that would say, you know what, God? I would do anything for you. There's nothing that I would be too afraid of. There's nothing that I would be too ashamed of. There's nothing that I think that someone else below me should do. This is what I will do for you. God, I would do anything for you. There's nothing that I deserve, God, that's too costly to love you and serve you. And sometimes we can feel afraid of commitment, and this can cause us to shy away from prayer. Okay, so I have one point to wrap this up today. What's our response going to be? Jesus has a solution for us to help us to get past these hurdles. You know, sometimes I think we look at them and they're like the, that race, you know, and they got those bars they got to like get their legs over and they're running and jumping over. The, ever see that? And they trip on one. And they go down. You know, we got to get, get over all the four of these hurdles. Well, Jesus has a solution for moving us from being prayerless 
to being prayerful. And I, I hope this would encourage you. You know, Jesus was calling his disciples. He asked a question of them. And today he's asking you this very same question. And if you answer this question, I think it's going to help you to move past these hurdles in your life and get to the finish line and start to dive in to a deeper prayer life. It's a defining question. It's what separates us from what is important and not important. It clarifies what direction our life will take by outlining uh, our priorities and our desires to live for God. It reveals the true desires of our heart and what we really want to live for. You know, Jesus' voice is like this. In fact, Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 12, this is what it says about Jesus' voice. For the voice of the Lord, or the word of God, it says in the Bible, but this is the living word of God. So the voice of the Lord is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, the living word of God is Jesus. John wrote uh, about that living word in John chapter 1, verse 14. He said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling upon us, uh, among us. That's Jesus. And when we're in prayer and we're hearing Jesus' voice, this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us that Jesus' voice helps us realize what we want to live for, what's really important. It sorts out the motivations in our heart, in our lives. It, it's, like, it's, like, it's like separating the garbage from the, the good stuff or, the, or the, uh, the dirt from the gold or the rubies or whatever, right? And so he's saying, I want to separate the the trash out, and I'm going to keep the good in your life. You know, why do we want to go to prayer? Well, prayer opens the door to intimacy with Jesus. That's what we were talking about at the start of this message. It opens the door for that deeper relationship. That's why Jesus longs for us to spend time with him in prayer. We both know when we spend time together the intents of each other's heart. Jesus knows my heart. And I know Jesus' heart. I was having a time like this just the other day. I was driving where I, I often spend my time in prayers in my Jeep. And I was driving in my Jeep, and I was grumbling to God in my prayers. I say, Pastor, you grumbled to God? I was grumbling. And I was telling God, you know, God, <laughs> I have done this with a smile on my face. I've released Brad and Caitlin to you. And allowed you to take them from me. I've spent years discipling them and, and, and working with them. And they were mine. <laughs> and I released them to you to do something else with them. And I was arguing with God and I was complaining to him. Saying, you know what? Now what am I going to do here? It's like I got to start all over again. Who's going to step into their place? Who's going to be willing to pick up the toilet brush? And I was complaining to God. <laughs> and I was whining. And I was grumbling. But as I spent time with Jesus that day, I just began to feel his presence in my Jeep. And we were worshiping. I was worshiping. Jesus was with me. I guess we were both worshiping. And, 
and there was a song on, and Jesus began to speak to my heart. And he said, thank you. Thank you. That's what he said to me. He said, thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for doing this, Greg. Thank you for obeying. Thank you for following. But thank you for just saying yes to be with me and do what I want. And then he showed me something. At the beginning of this year, my wife knows this story because I've been complaining about this for a few years. It just seems like we never can get our mortgage paid down. And we've been struggling with this for years. And I prayed at the beginning of this year for a miracle. I said, God, I am tired. We owed basically on our mortgage what we bought our house for 20 years ago. And uh, we're responsible with our money. So don't judge me. I'm just telling you, I'm opening my heart up to you. And uh, I prayed, God, this is the year that this has got to change. I'm praying this year that mortgage will be paid off. And you know what? This is May, right? May the 23rd. And our mortgage is paid off. And, and, and Jesus said to me, he said, Greg, <laughs> you gave me something, and I gave you something. And I just started to cry. I didn't even dawn on me. It didn't even dawn on me that he had blessed me. It totally went over my, my head that he'd answered my prayer. I, I, somehow, it just was like all, you know, all these pieces came together, and it was a naturalist perspective. It all happened in the natural no, it wasn't. It was Jesus. He helped me do something that I had been struggling with for years. And he promised me right there that he was going to be with me. And he wasn't going to leave me. And he wasn't going to forsake me. He didn't say it was going to be easy. Brad and Kate are still leaving. New leaders still have to rise up. People have to hear the call and say yes. And Jesus asked this question of all of us right here and it's in John chapter 1 in verse 38 and it's about our relationship with him Jesus was calling people to be in relationship with him and that's what I'm calling you today the same question he's asking you not it's not about a list will you make a list of things to pray for it's not about Will you pray better? Will you commit to a time to praying every day? It's not about that. It's not about a prescription that you will follow. No. This is what Jesus said it's about. In John chapter 1 and verse 38, he said to these people that he was calling to follow him. He's saying to, to you and to me, he's saying, what do you want? That's what he said. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want to keep going through life in your own strength and trying to do things in your own power? Do you want to keep going through life and just trying to make it on your own by yourself? No, Jesus is saying, if you're not satisfied with the way things are, if you're not happy with the way things are going, 
He's saying, what are you going to do? And it's all about, are you willing? Are you willing to turn your back on all of it and follow me? Are you willing to make a commitment to pursuing relationship with me? Are you willing to say, you know what? When other people are going that way, I'm going for you, Jesus. Jesus is asking us, what do you want? What do you want? Do, what do you want? What do you want? I'll tell you what I want. I want relationship with Jesus. I want my relationship with Jesus to grow and to become more passionate, to become closer, become more alive. That's what I long for in my life. We're going to close the message uh, today. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're watching today, and you say, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know Jesus like that, but I know I want to. And I hear him saying, what do you want? And I'm saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to give my life to you, Jesus. And I would love to just lead you in a prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I just encourage you. You might be parked here in a car. You might be watching online. You might be watching this message on YouTube. I want to just encourage you. Open your mouth. Jesus is asking you, what do you want? What do you want? Why don't you just tell him what you want? We want you, Jesus, in our lives. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to hear your voice, Jesus. We want you to lead us, Jesus. We want to know uh, your love, Jesus. We want to feel your arms around us, Lord. We want to be accepted by you. We want to be forgiven, Lord. And we just ask you right now, Jesus, sinless Lamb of God, would you come right now and forgive me? Give me a new heart, Lord. Replace this stony heart, God. Replace it with a heart that loves you, that wants to pursue you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you've known the Lord, but you've just struggled in your prayer life, Jesus is asking you, what do you want? This is a defining moment for you. It's not about lists. It's not about time. It's not about formula. It's about answering the question. Are you going to just keep living your life that way? Are you satisfied with it? Or is there something more that you long for? Do you long to know Jesus? Do you long to know his voice? Do you long to know his presence in your life? His empowering presence. His grace-filled presence. <laughs> and so, Lord, we just invite you into our lives. If, you, if you're asking that question, answering that question right now to Jesus, what do you want? I just pray from your heart. I can't even, I can't vocalize how you're going to answer it. I can vocalize how I can answer it. There's nothing, there's nothing I want more, Jesus, than you. There's nothing I long for more than you, Jesus. I need you, Lord. I've tried so many times in my own strength and 
God, I long for your empowering presence. I long to be close to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for drawing us to this place. Thank you for hearing our hearts again, God, and answering us. In Jesus' name.